Chapter 5 of The Inimitable Jeeves This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Inimitable Jeeves by P. G. Wodehouse Chapter 5 the pride of the Woosters is wounded. If there's one thing I like, it's a quiet life. I'm not one of those fellows who gets all restless and depressed if things aren't happening to them all the time. You can't make it too placid for me. Give me regular meals, a good show with decent music every now and then, and one or two pals to totter round with, and I ask no more. That is why the jar, when it came, was such a particularly nasty jar. I mean, I'd return from Roville with the sort of feeling that from now on nothing could occur to upset me. Aunt Agatha, I imagined, would require at least a year to recover from the Hemingway affair. And apart from Aunt Agatha, there isn't anybody who really does much in the way of harrying me. It seemed to me that the skies were blue, so to speak, and no clouds in sight. I little thought. Well, look here. What happened was this, and I ask you if it wasn't enough to rattle anybody. Once a year, Jeeves takes a couple of weeks' vacation and biffs off to the sea or somewhere to restore his tissues. Pretty rotten for me, of course, while he's away. But it has to be stuck, so I stick it, and I must admit that he usually manages to get a hold of a fairly decent fellow to look after me in his absence. Well, the time had come round again, and Jeeves was in the kitchen giving the understudy a few tips about his duties. I happened to want a stamp or something, and I toddled down the passage to ask him for it. The silly ass had left the kitchen door open, and I hadn't gone two steps when his voice caught me squarely in the eardrum. "'You'll find Mr. Wooster,' he was saying to the substitute chappie, "'an exceedingly pleasant and amiable young gentleman, but not intelligent, by no means intelligent. Mentally he is negligible, quite negligible.' "'Well, I mean to say what?' "'I suppose, strictly speaking, I ought to have charged in and ticked the blighter off properly in no uncertain voice. But I doubt whether it's humanly possible to tick Jeeves off. Personally, I didn't even have a dash at it. I merely called for my hat and stick in a marked manner and legged it. But the memory rankled, if you know what I mean. We Woosters do not lightly forget. At least, we do. Some things. Appointments, and people's birthdays, and letters to post, and all that but not an absolute bally insult like the above. I brooded like the Dickens. I was still brooding when I dropped in at the oyster bar at Buck's for a quick bracer. I needed a bracer rather particularly at the moment, because I was on my way to lunch with Aunt Agatha. A pretty frightful ordeal, believe me, or believe me not, even though I took it that after what happened at Roville, she would be in a fairly subdued and amiable mood. I just had one quick and another rather slower, and was feeling about as cheerio as was possible under the cirques, when a muffled voice hailed me from the northeast, and, turning round, I saw young Bingo Little propped up in a corner, wrapping himself round a sizable chunk of bread and cheese. "'Hallo! Hallo! Hallo!' I said. "'Haven't seen you for ages. You've not been in here lately, have you?' "'No, I've been living out in the country.' "'Eh?' I said, for Bingo's loathing for the country was well known. "'Whereabouts?' down in Hampshire, at a place called Ditteridge. Oh, really? I know some people who've got a house there. 
the Glossops. Have you met them? Why, that's where I'm staying, said young Bingo. I'm tutoring that Glossop kid. What for? I said. I couldn't seem to see young Bingo as a tutor. Though, of course, he did get a degree of sorts at Oxford, and I suppose you can always fool some of the people some of the time. What for? For money? Of course. An absolute sitter came unstitched in the second race at Haydock Park, said young Bingo, with some bitterness. And I dropped my entire month's allowance. I hadn't the nerve to touch my uncle for any more. So it was a case of buzzing round to the agents and getting a job. I've been down there three weeks. I haven't met the Glossop kid. Don't, advised Bingo briefly. The only one in the family I really know is the girl. I had hardly spoken these words when the most extraordinary change came over young Bingo's face. His eyes bulged, his cheeks flushed, and his Adam's apple hopped about like one of those India rubber balls on the top of the fountain in a shooting gallery. Oh, Bertie, he said in a strangled sort of voice. I looked at the poor fish anxiously. I knew that he was always falling in love with someone, but it didn't seem possible that even he could have fallen in love with Honoria Glossop. To me the girl was simply nothing more or less than a pot of poison, one of those dashed, large, brainy, strenuous, dynamic girls you see so many of these days. She had been at Girton, where, in addition to enlarging her brain to the most frightful extent, she had gone in for every kind of sport and developed the physique of a middleweight catch-as-can wrestler. I'm not sure she didn't box for the varsity while she was up. The effect she had on me whenever she appeared was to make me want to slide into a cellar and lie low till they blew the all-clear. Yet here is young Bingo, obviously all for her. There was no mistaking it. The love-light was in the blighter's eyes. "'I worship her, Bertie. I worship the very ground she treads on,' continued the patient in a loud, penetrating voice. Fred Thompson and one or two fellows had come in, and McGarry, the chappie behind the bar, was listening with his ears flapping. But there's no reticence about Bingo.' He always reminds me of the hero in a musical comedy who takes the center of the stage, gathers the boys round him in a circle, and tells them all about his love at the top of his voice. Have you told her? No, I haven't had the nerve. But we walk together in the garden most evenings, and it sometimes seems to me that there's a look in her eyes. I know that look, like a sergeant major. Nothing of the kind, like a tender goddess. Half a sec, old thing, I said. Are you sure we're talking about the same girl? The one, I mean, is Honoria. Perhaps there's a younger sister or something I've not heard of? Her name is Honoria, bawled Bingo reverently. And she strikes you as a tender goddess? She does. God bless you, I said. She walks in beauty like the night of cloudless climes and starry skies, and all that's best of dark and bright meet in her aspect and her eyes. "'Another bit of bread and cheese,' he said to the lad behind the bar. "'You're keeping your strength up,' I said. "'This is my lunch. I've got to meet Oswald at Waterloo at one fifteen to catch the train back. I brought him up to town to see the dentist.' "'Oswald? Is that the kid?' "'Yes. Pestilential to a degree.' "'Pestilential? Hmm, that reminds me. I'm lunching with my Aunt Agatha. I'll have to pop off now, or I'll be late.' I hadn't seen Aunt Agatha since the little affair of the pearls, and, while I didn't anticipate any great pleasure for gnawing a bone in her society, I must say that there was one topic of conversation I felt pretty confident she wouldn't touch on, and that was the subject of my matrimonial future. 
I mean, when a woman's made a bloomer, like the one Aunt Agatha made at Roville, you'd naturally think that a decent shame would keep her off it, for, at any rate, a month or two. But women beat me. I mean to say, as regards nerve, you'll hardly credit it, but she actually started in on me with the fish. Absolutely with the fish, I give you my solemn word. We'd hardly exchanged a word about the weather, when she let me have it without a blush. Bertie, she said, I've been thinking about you and how necessary it is that you should get married. I'd quite admit that I was dreadfully mistaken in my opinion of that terrible, hypocritical girl at Roville, but this time there is no danger of an error. By great good luck I have found the very wife for you, a girl whom I have only recently met, but whose family is above suspicion. She has plenty of money, too, though that does not matter in your case. The great point is that she is strong, self-reliant, and sensible, and will counterbalance the deficiencies and weaknesses of your character. She has met you, and, while there is naturally much in you of which she disapproves, she does not dislike you. I know this, for I have sounded her, guardedly, of course, and I am sure that you have only to make the first advances. Who is it? I would have said it long before, but the shock had made me swallow a bit of roll the wrong way, and I had only just finished turning purple and trying to get a bit of air back into the old windpipe. Who is it? Sir Roderick Glossop's daughter, Honoria. No, no, I cried, paling beneath the tan. Don't be silly, Bertie. She is just the wife for you. Yes, but look here. She would mould you. But I don't want to be moulded. Aunt Agatha gave me the kind of look she used to give me when I was a kid and had been found in the jam cupboard. Bertie, I hope you're not going to be troublesome. Well, but I mean... Lady Glossop has very kindly invited you to Ditteridge Hall for a few days. I told her you would be delighted to come down tomorrow. I'm sorry, but I've got a dashed important engagement tomorrow. What engagement? Well, uh, uh, you have no engagement, and even if you had, you must put it off. I shall be very seriously annoyed, Bertie, if you do not go to Ditteridge Hall tomorrow. Oh... Righto, I said. It wasn't two minutes after I had parted from Aunt Agatha before the old fighting spirit of the Woosters reasserted itself. Ghastly as the peril was, which loomed before me, I was conscious of a rummy sort of exhilaration. It was a tight corner, but the tighter the corner, I felt, the more juicily I should score off G's when I got myself out of it, without a bit of help from him. Ordinarily, of course, I should have consulted him and trusted him to solve the difficulty, but after what I had heard him saying in the kitchen, I was dashed if I was going to demean myself. When I got home, I addressed the man with light abandon. Jeeves, I said, I'm in a bit of difficulty. I'm sorry to hear that, sir. Yes, quite a bad hole. In fact, you might say on the brink of a precipice and faced by an awful doom. If I could be of any assistance, sir. Oh, no, no. No. Thanks very much, but no. No. I won't trouble you. I've no doubt I shall be able to get out of it all right by myself. Very good, sir. So that was that. I'm bound to say I'd have welcomed a bit more curiosity from the fellow, but that is Jeeves all over. Cloaks his emotions, if you know what I mean. Honoria was away when I got to Ditteridge on the following afternoon. Her mother told me that she was staying with some people named Brathwaite, 
in the neighborhood, and would be back next day, bringing the daughter of the house with her for a visit. She said I would find Oswald out in the grounds, and such is a mother's love that she spoke as if that were a bit of a boost for the grounds and an inducement to go there. Rather decent, the grounds at Ditteridge. A couple of terraces, a bit of lawn with a cedar on it, a bit of shrubbery, and finally a small but goodish lake with a stone bridge running across it. Directly I had worked my way round the shrubbery, I spotted young Bingo leaning against the bridge smoking a cigarette. Sitting on the stonework, fishing, was a species of kid whom I took to be Oswald, the plague spot. Bingo was both surprised and delighted to see me, and introduced me to the kid. If the latter was surprised and delighted too, he concealed it like a diplomat. He just looked at me, raised his eyebrows slightly, and went on fishing. He was one of those supercilious striplings who gives you the impression that you went to the wrong school, and that your clothes don't fit. "'This is Oswald,' said Bingo. "'What?' I replied cordially. "'Could be sweeter. How are you?' "'Oh, all right,' said the kid. "'Nice place, this.' "'Well, all right,' said the kid. "'Having a good time fishing?' "'Oh, all right,' said the kid. Young Bingo led me off to commune apart. "'Doesn't jolly old Oswald's incessant flow of prattle make your head ache sometimes?' I asked. Bingo sighed. "'It's a hard job.' "'What's a hard job?' "'Loving him.' "'Do you love him?' I asked, surprised. "'I shouldn't have thought it could be done.' "'I try to,' said young Bingo. "'For her sake. She's coming back tomorrow, Bertie.' So I heard. She is coming, my love, my own. Absolutely, I said. But touching on young Oswald once more, do you have to be with him all day? How do you manage to stick it? Oh, he doesn't give me much trouble. When we aren't working, he sits on that bridge all the time, trying to catch tiddlers. Why don't you shove him in? Shove him in? It seems to me distinctly the thing to do, I said regarding the stripling's back with a good deal of dislike. It would wake him up a bit, and make him take an interest in things. Bingo shook his head a bit wistfully. "'Your proposition attracts me,' he said. "'But I'm afraid it can't be done. You see, she would never forgive me. She is devoted to that little brute.' "'Great Scott!' I cried. "'I've got it!' "'I don't know if you know that feeling when you get an inspiration.' and tingle all down your spine from the soft collar, as now worn to the very soles of the old Wachises? Jeeves, I suppose, feels that way more or less all the time, but it isn't often it comes to me. But now all nature seemed to be shouting at me, You've clicked! And I grabbed young Bingo by the arm in a way that must have made him feel as if a horse had bitten him. His finely chiseled features were twisted with agony and what not, and he asked me what the dickens I thought I was playing at. Bingo, I said. What would Jeeves have done? How do you mean, what would Jeeves have done? I mean, what would he have advised in a case like yours? I mean, you wanting to make a hit with Honoria Glossop and all that. Why, take it from me, laddie. He would have shoved you behind that clump of bushes over there. He would have got me to lure Honoria onto that bridge somehow. Then, at the proper time, he would have told me to give the kid a pretty hefty jab in the small of the back, so as to shoot him into the water and then you would have dived in and hauled him out. How about it? You didn't think that out by yourself, Bertie, said young Bingo in a hushed sort of voice. Yes, I did. Jeeves isn't the only fellow with ideas. 
but it's absolutely wonderful. Just a suggestion. The only objection I can see is that it would be so dashed awkward for you. I mean to say, suppose the kid turned round and said you had shoved him in. That would make you frightfully unpopular with her. I don't mind risking that. The man was deeply moved. Bertie, this is noble. No, no. He clasped my hand silently, then chuckled like the last drop of water going down the waste-pipe in a bath. Now what? I said. I was only thinking, said young Bingo, how fearfully wet Oswald will get. Oh, happy day! End of chapter 5